We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com here after a long break with my partner Aaron Lemming. How are you doing today? Doing good, man. Been uh been busy. I know you have been too, so it's it's it feels like a while since we've done one of these, but it's good to good to be talking with you again right before the uh right before the draft. Yeah, and I, I will apologize to all of our regular listeners. I, I I had the perfect storm of uh family and personal issues come up. Uh, that didn't allow me to get a podcast in here. So please do not uh, send your hate to Aaron on Twitter. Direct it my way. This was my fault uh, for not for not getting it done. But we're here uh, a few days before the draft. We're going to talk about uh, the draft a little bit at the end of the podcast. We're also going to talk about what I saw at uh, Voluntary Minicamp last week. We'll go over the schedule a little bit. Uh, but let's talk about you and Aaron and I were talking right before uh, that we came on here about a guy uh, that the Bears lost, uh, you know, they've lost a lot of guys. A lot of changes have happened here. But recently, the the, the biggest loss, we, we, we believe, is is not matching what the Saints gave for Cam Meredith. And for me, I, lo- I look out there at what they have right now, uh, going to back to minicamp, and I saw, you know, Allen Robinson isn't practicing right now. So, I mean, you're really, you're looking at Kevin White as your number one guy. How does that make you feel? Yeah, oh my God, I, that's the one thing I haven't really been on Twitter that much lately. But that's the one thing I continue to seem to continue to engage people in is the I'm going to market false hope on Kevin White. I mean, this is a guy that's played five games in three years, five games in three years that hasn't been able to stay healthy, 
And I understand that Matt Nagy is supposed to come in and be an offensive guru, and I believe that he's going to be, but to expect a guy like Kevin White to step into a role, here's the thing, okay, so let's just say Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel are healthy and everything goes good, and you know they move into camp, that's cool, but you're still looking at Kevin White as of right now, obviously, you've got to see what happens in the draft. As of right now, Kevin White is their number three receiver, and I think that's a big gamble. And then you talk about, let's just say Robinson or Gabriel goes down, you're talking about Kevin White taking... 70 to 80 percent of snaps on a weekly basis are counting on him to do so when he hasn't been able to stay healthy so i just think this is a big risk especially for a team that has a lot of cap space and really only had to pay him an extra it was a little over what let's just call it 3.5 million dollars more than the 1.9 million dollar uh tag that he had and that was i mean that was it for guarantees and it's 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 hard for me to see what ryan pace is doing here they say that the medicals weren't there okay but you had the Ravens who have had one of the more strict uh, you know, training staffs and medical staffs in all of football for the last 15 years who gave him an offer. The Saints have uh, been a very successful team, have not really dealt with many injuries. Same thing, and they gave him an offer and obviously ended up taking the, you know, taking the offer sheet and the Bears didn't match. So you're telling me that two teams that have at least seem to have a better me- medical grasp on their team than the Bears do cleared him. But the Bears aren't confident, yet they signed Allen Robinson for $14 million a year coming off an ACL. I realize Meredith's knee injury was a little bit more. But you're talking a homegrown guy, came from Illinois State, transferred, you know, or was a quarterback, became a receiver, was a Bears fan, is from the area. This is a, you know, homegrown talent. Ryan Pace talks about, oh, well, we need to... You know, we need to develop our our young talent. He was, a, you know, an undrafted free agent, and then you let the guy walk. I understand the injury concerns, but you're talking five million dollars a year for a guy that is a number two or that could be a number two at worst. He's a number three receiver. I don't really see where the downside is in having a guy like that. He's four point or five point four million dollar guarantee. Okay, so let's say he doesn't work out this year. You cut him and you move on. They have the money to do it. I don't understand what Ryan Pace is doing, and this has been a lot of pent-up emotion for me over the last few weeks, as I'm sure some of you can tell. I was just about to say, do you feel better now? I understand where you're coming from, and I I think that they probably looked at that knee and just did not feel good about it. And I I also understand you questioning the Bears coaching staff, and a lot of people have questions about the Bears coaching, or I'm sorry, the training staff, and you know how they've dealt with the injuries over the past few years and how banged up the Bears have been. Uh, you're right. They did just sign a guy in Allen Robinson who's coming off an ACL tear. The, the, I guess the difference there is Robinson is will be a year removed from that uh, injury by the time the regular season starts this year. Uh, they, I mean, to me, it had it can't be a financial thing because, like you pointed out, this team has plenty of money. They would have only had to pay him about three more million dollars to hang on to him. So the only thing that I can see is that they looked at that knee and they were like. I just, you know, he's not worth the money. The problem is, and I understand the frustration, is that you don't have viable, legitimate, uh, established options behind them. I mean, say what you, I believe Allen Robinson is going to be a very good receiver, but we're talking about a guy who's only had one good year in the NFL, and it was an outstanding year, and he's coming off an ACL tear. Taylor Gabriel is really just a role player, a slot guy, and then, you know, we go back to Kevin White at five games over three years. So how... How safe do you feel? Was $3 million not worth the security that Meredith might have been able to provide? I get it. And so the only thing that I can think of is they just looked at that knee and were like, no way, this is not happening. He's, you know, he's not worth the money. That's the only way I can justify it because otherwise I think you're right. And I look at that wide receiver staff during minicamp and I'm thinking, man, this, 
this is, you know, one, we're in another situation where if one guy goes down, uh, the whole thing could, you know, the whole ship could sink. The one, uh, I guess when you're looking at the wide receiver position, and this is the, this kind of been in the back of my head is that outside of Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, it wasn't as if the Chiefs and really through Andy Reid's career, um, you know, he never. I mean, I know he had Terrell Owens for a while, but it was it was always kind of a, a a system that used a lot of different wide receivers and didn't rely on just one guy. It was also a system that relied heavily on passes to fi- uh, tight ends and and running backs, uh, a heavy screen system uh, that really got moved the ball around, and that was especially so with Alex Smith in Kansas City. Uh, when they never really had, even when they had a Jeremy Macklin, it wasn't like they were they were completely dependent on him. They were still able, when Macklin wasn't getting his, they were still able to get the job done. So this has never been an offense, if Nagy's really going to pull from what Andy Reid did, this has never been an offense that relied heavily, heavily on wide receivers. And after being at minicamp, I can tell you that there is enough talent at the wide receiver and, t- I'm sorry, at the running back and tight end positions where, if if somebody goes down, if Robinson can't get it done, if Kevin White gets his inevitable injury, I don't think all is going to be lost like it was last year with Dow Loggins at the helm. Well, I think you bring up a really good point. That's especially with the tight ends, and that's kind of where maybe maybe I'm putting too much value on the uh, maybe I'm putting too much value on the receiver position because, like you said, you look at. You look at what Kansas City did last year with the receivers, what they had. And even when you look at what the Eagles did, and obviously the Eagles had some pretty good receivers uh, last year when they won the Super Bowl, but they spread the ball around a lot. But I think the big thing here is the tight ends. And I think really the main guy to focus on as of right now, like I said, everything could change in a few days when we're talking about the draft. I mean, they could come out of uh, day, let's just say day two with uh, you know a, a second or third round receiver if they somehow get a third round pick back. And this could all be kind of a moot point. But... As of right now, I think that there's a lot of uh, reliance that's going to be put on Trey Burton. And obviously, I mean, they just paid the guy $8 million a year, so there should be. But I think he's kind of the X factor right now because I think he's somebody that they're going to move around, whether that be in the slot, whether they you know, they could play him as a receiver, play him as a tight end. I mean, he's, he's the guy that's going to be moved all around. And which is good for at least for me, because I, I like Adam Shaheen. I think Adam Shaheen's going to be a good player. And I think that that actually spells good things for Adam Shaheen, because that's going to give him more of a role as the inline tight end uh, and being able to do kind of what he did last year, assuming that he could stay healthy. So, I mean, maybe maybe it is such a thing as they're not going to run the traditional offense of where they're going to have, you know, three wide receivers and a tight end and a running back and whatever else is going on. And maybe they're going to, you know, mix things up because if and I'll have the numbers in front of me. But when I was looking at the numbers of the the type of personnel that they mix in, they used two and three tight ends a lot last year in Kansas City. And there really wasn't a lot of time where there was three different receivers on the field for Kansas City. So, But my biggest thing is right now is, and maybe it's just kind of PTSD from last year, seeing them being so thin at receiver and then one injury kind of derails everything and then you have another injury and then things really go downhill. So I just think, you know, like you said, T- Taylor Gabriel is more of a role player. I think he's a little bit more of a, you know, than a slot guy. I think you can you can play him in multiple positions, kind of like you can to Rick Cohen. And Cohen's going to be another guy that can, you know, kind of slot in wherever. But you'd like to see another true receiver in the mix, uh, and that's going to be interesting, uh, especially moving forward into the draft because right now, uh, at least from everything that I've kind of seen from what Nagy likes to do and kind of what uh, what Andy Reid's like to do with his offense, 
don't expect a big receiver. I, I think that there's going to be some athletic traits that they're going to be looking for. There's going to be some testing numbers that they're going to have in terms of thresholds. And I think that you're going to see maybe a guy around 5'10", five, 5'11", five, maybe six foot. a guy like Anthony Miller can make some sense. Obviously, we'll get more of that later on. But I, I think this kind of opens them up for a lot of different things. And this receiver class isn't extremely uh, top-heavy, but it's very deep from rounds, I'd say two to four, where they could probably pluck a guy in the second, maybe if they get a third-round pick, or maybe even the fourth, and maybe waiting a little too long to where they can get a guy that can kind of plug in as that number three or number four guy. But my biggest concern right now is just depth. And I just I don't like the fact that they ha- could have had Cameron Meredith for $3 million more when he got $25 million in cap space. And now you're looking at a situation where I think receiver is still kind of a need right now. Well, I agree to an extent. I, I, I think you're right. They probably are going to address wide receiver position in the draft. And remember, Cameron Meredith, for as good as he looked, you know, he's an undrafted free agent. I mean, it, there's a lot of talent at wide receiver. And if we're just talking about the fourth or fifth guy, you know, I, they brought in Benny Fowler. I mean, Josh Bellamy, you know, he, he doesn't have the best hands, but the guy can get open. Last year was horrible, I think more so because Dow Loggins didn't know how to adjust. I think from what we've seen, you know, as Matt Nagy as an offensive coordinator in that brief time in Kansas City and just what we know from Andy Reid, if he follows that blueprint, I, I you would think that it wouldn't, you know, that wide receiver depth, I mean, down to the sixth or seventh guy isn't going to be a huge priority. So we'll see. We'll see if it comes back to haunt them. I mean, I think we all know that Kevin White's going to get hurt at some point. I think Allen Robinson's health will be uh, crucial uh, to that effort as well. Now, I, I'm glad you brought up Trey Burton because he was, for me, over the three-day minicamp last week, the, one of the most impressive players on the field. And for the reasons you mentioned, just the versatility and where they're lining him up, uh, they're using him as a move, uh, tight end, halfback, um, just get, moving him into every position, moving him out at flanker, at split end, uh, getting him into the slot, getting him into bunch formations. And he's been one of the primary targets for uh, Mitch Trubisky, at least through the first three days of practice. And he's a smooth route runner. He's a little smaller, obviously, than uh, Shaheen and Deion Sims. Uh, but he's quicker, and they can use him in different ways than they can in, in Sims and Shaheen. And I, I really, uh, I really think that they have big plans for him in this offense. So I think when you when you look at that, and you look at and you say, hey, we have this big guy in Shaheen. He's six seven. He can do. You know, he might be a little limited in some areas, but boy, in the red zone, is he going to be a weapon? If you pair him with a, a, a with Trey Burton, who can you know slide through and play those different roles, a creative mind like Matt Nagy should be able to to make that work, even if you don't have a number one guy on the outside. Uh, you know, as long as you just have somebody who can catch a ball out there. I mean, he, the, Andy Reid's shown that you can get that done, and I think if you use the tight ends, if you use the running backs well, Treat Cohen, another guy that they I, – I mean, I don't think – I can't remember seeing him get a handoff, maybe two or three handoffs uh, during the three-day of minicamp. I mean, they, he was used almost exclusively as a wide receiver, playing every spot on the field. So they have some versatility there. They might grab another guy, like you said, another wide receiver, maybe another – uh, running back with, that's got a, a diverse skill set, maybe a slot receiver. Who knows? I mean, Taylor Gabriel showed some quickness during minicamp too. So, uh, I, you know, I think there's enough talent there where you add, you know, you only need to add one piece. Like you said, maybe get one more receiver 
and uh, obviously uh, fortify the offensive line, which we'll talk about. But in terms of the skill positions, I liked what I saw at minicamp. And I think, you know, we only saw a little bit. We saw the embryonic stages of this offense. So it's really hard for me to comment on how, what this offense is going to look like, but just from a pure talent standpoint and, you know, from the the history that Nagy has and the history that Andy Reid has, I think there's enough there to get the job done. And I, I, I don't know if, especially for a guy like Cam Meredith, if that knee wasn't totally healthy, you know, it's probably was, was a risk that they just weren't willing to take. Um, but yeah, I, I, I honestly, the offense I, to me, Ryan Pace did a really good job. I was impressed with all the pieces that they brought in so far. Obviously I didn't get Alan Rob, get to see Alan Robinson play, but uh, and I hate to say it, but Trevin White did actually look pretty good. Taylor Gabriel did drop a few passes. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the offensive line. Um, injuries are an issue right now. I mean, I think you know for your top four or five guys are hurt. Uh, you know, with Allen Robinson, Leonard Floyd, Danny Trevathan, and Kyle Long. And I know Trevathan actually wasn't an injury; he was out for personal reasons. But you know, you do look out there and you say, you know, this is a team that you know, as is, is not much better than it was last year. Now, those guys get healthy and every, and they and they add some pieces in the draft. I think this is a team that can compete this year. But, uh, you know, I, I do think the depth at, at a lot of positions need to be addressed uh, in this draft coming up because from what I saw out there, I wasn't. I, I was impressed with the skill positions. I think they've done a very good job. You, you know that Vic Fangio is going to get the most out of the defense, but I do. I don't think that the Bears are yet, even in going into Ryan Pace's fourth year, have the requisite depth to be able to weather the amount of injuries that they've had the last few years. So again, it's going to all come down to, to, to whether or not these guys can stay healthy. And one of my biggest issues is. You know, uh, Dan Trevathan comes back on the third day of minicamp. He's over there lifting. Kyle Long is out there doing positional work uh, with the offensive lineman. He's over there lifting. Allen Robinson is lifting. But but the biggest concern is that Leonard Floyd, who did have the knee surgery last year, uh, you know, he's not doing anything right now. He's standing there with a football and a cap on. And, you, you know, you look at the other options that they have out there. The best one was Aaron Lynch, and he's, it was a sprained uh, ankle, I believe, or a sprained knee. Uh, in the second day of minicamp, so there goes your your second best option. So uh, you, you now you you you've, now you're down to Sam Outchel. Honestly, is, is is your your best outside linebacker. That's not a good thing. And you know, edge rush was a problem last year. It's it's going to be a problem this year unless they address it in the draft. And I guess that's a pretty good segue. Unless uh, you have any more questions about minicamp. Oh uh, well, I mean, before we I guess before we dive into it, I mean the the token question: How did Mitch Trubisky look? Oh, you know, I, I thought what they were doing, you could tell they were installing from a very basic standpoint. And none of the uh, plays, there was a few interesting plays. Uh, you can tell they're going to run a lot of RPOs. You can tell there's they're going to move Trubisky. They're going to let him uh, run some option a little bit, uh, get him moving a little bit more than, than they were able to do under Dow Loggins. That's what I, I like to see. I did. I saw some rust out of Trubisky. I saw, you know, I didn't think Chase Daniels looked very good either. You know, I'm I, I'm seeing guys who are just, it, you know, and and Negi said it. it this isn't about uh, at least the mini camp wasn't about 
completing every pass and 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 having the the perfect result on every play it was honestly more about getting out of the huddle and getting everybody lined up right and what i did see out of trubisky was that he was a guy that everybody was going to to, to get answers he did seem uh, in control of the offense he felt looked like he felt comfortable out there he did have some bad throws the second day of minicamp wasn't good for him got picked off a couple of times but you know we're, like i said this this offense is in its uh, very, very, very first stages. So uh, I, I thought, you know, I, I've been watching him for over a year now. He's he's the same same talented kid. I think it's more a matter of getting Robinson on the field, getting all these guys healthy, and getting them all comfortable with this offense. And then I, I really do think that, and then you and I have said this since he was at North Carolina, that you know he is going to be that long term long term guy. And I didn't see anything this past week that changed my mind about that. I, I still think that once he gets comfortable in this offense, he can, he can excel for sure. That, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's especially with a new offense, I would, I would assume, but I'm sure with all the people listening to the podcast, I'm sure I've got some sort of, uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. telling me, why didn't you ask about Trubisky? So yeah, I, had to no, do it. Now, I get it. All right. So let's, uh, let's move on. Let's get into this uh, draft thing. That's going to be happening on uh, Thursday night. Uh, when the first round happens, second and third rounds will be on Friday, and then the rest of the draft will be that that wonderful 12-hour marathon that happens on Saturday when all those picks come flying in. You know, Bears have the eighth pick overall. I think most people would agree, unless the right guy is there, uh, it would make a lot of sense to move back in this draft. And we talk about this every year. I mean, everybody wants the Bears to trade back. Uh, I do think that there is a lot of similar talent between you know picks nine and picks sixteen or say uh, maybe even out to pick twenty. And if if your guy isn't there, and I believe that guy is Quentin Nelson, if he's not there and you don't feel you know super uh, pumped about you know say Tremaine Edwards or some one of the other guys that are projected to go in the top ten, and you think that a, a similar player is going to be available in, in those mid rounds. Boy, it makes a whole lot of sense f- from my standpoint to trade back. But again, and I always say this: you have to have a trade back partner, and you have to have the right deal. You can't just say trade back and just push a button and it happens. So uh, I would like. I, I think personally, Nelson's the guy. I, I, I mean, you're coming. He's a high stands. He was his uh, offensive line coach uh, for all of his four years in college. Now he's with the Bears. He knows exactly what he's going to get, and he's the type of guy who's not only going to keep your franchise quarterback upright, but he's the type of guy who can just be that mauler in the run game next to Cody Whitehair, next to uh, hopefully a, and potentially a, a healthy Kyle Long that can make one of the most dominant interior offensive lines in the league. So uh, that's my first uh, – that's what I'll throw out there to get this started. Well, I think pretty much everything you just said, I 100% agree with. I think you look at you look at the way the board's going to stack up or could stack up for the Bears, and say is going to, because we all know how unpredictable the draft is. But I think you're in a situation where I think at least three quarterbacks are going to go. I think Saquon Barkley is going to go, and I think Nick Chubb's going to go. So I think right there, you've at least got five players. So you've and pretty I think, much got man, two. Of- it's probably likely four going to go. We know how the drafts go. You know? Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's kind of and that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. So, and that's I think, and I I oh, I disagree with it so much, but I think the guy who's going to fall in this situation is going to be uh, Josh Rosen, and it, and it bothers me because I think he's the best quarterback. I understand there's some there's some mental things around there, whatever. I'm not going to get into that, but what I will say is. 
I think it will be a very, very interesting position if the Bears are sitting there at eight and let's just say Quentin Nelson's off the board and you've got Josh Rosen sitting there because I think at that point in time you're going to have a team like the Patriots who have two first-round picks that could be looking to trade up. You have a you have a team in the Arizona Cardinals that are picking a 15 that could be looking to trade up or even the Miami Dolphins that are sitting there at 11 that could be looking to trade up as well. So I think it's really going to depend on how the quarterbacks go. I think if all four go, I think the Bears are going to be in a position where they're probably going to have to make a pick, which may not be a bad thing because I think – like I said, I think Barkley and Chubb are going to go no matter what. I, I just I don't see any way, shape, or form that they're going to be on the board. So I think at least right there that is going to be six players. You need seven to go. So at that point, you have to think at some point there's going to be reach. I mean, obviously Quentin Nelson could go in that in that time frame, but I think there could be a, a reach or you know I don't even know if I'd classify it a reach at this point because like you said, there's so much talent from I'd say about eight until about 15 or 16 where you could really kind of make an argument for any of those guys. And I think that is going to be a DB, whether that be Mika Fitzpatrick, who I think is worthy of the pick, uh, you know, in the, in the top, I'd say, five to seven, uh, or even a guy like Derwin James, who seems to be picking up a lot of steam as of late, uh, or even a guy like uh, like Denzel Ward. I think Denzel Ward's another guy that maybe may not make much sense for the Bears because of his size limitations. But I think in terms of coverage, I think he's right around the same level. Just in just in terms of coverage, is Marshawn Lattimore coming out of Ohio State last year? So I think you've got three really good DBs that are sitting right there. Uh, you can make an argument for maybe Josh Jackson or uh, or Alexander, um, but I don't I don't think that's going to happen. But I think there could be a DB go there, and if that's the case, and that's going to push some talent down on the Bears, but let's just say that they are stuck there, and let's say Quentin Nelson isn't there. you still got Tremaine Edmonds, you've got Roquan Smith, so you got two of the best linebackers in this draft. You've got a guy like Marcus Davenport, who I think is a little bit of reach there, but he fits almost every threshold, every checkbox you could possibly think of for Ryan Pace and Fangio. Or even a guy, to me, that I think is being a little overlooked right now because of the length threshold in terms of his arms, uh, just a little under 33 inches, is a guy in Harold Landry at a Boston College. He had a magnificent 2016 season with Boston College. Wasn't as good this year. Um, Motors definitely a little bit questionable. But I think when you look at the situation that the Bears are going to be in, if Quentin Nelson isn't there, I don't think you can force a receiver there. I don't think you should force a receiver there. Um, but I think you really look at it and you say, okay, defense. What do you got on defense? And I think inside linebacker could make some sense. It's not a, a must upgrade, but I think it's somewhere where if you take a guy like Edmonds or you take a guy like Roquan Smith, I mean, you're going to make your defense better. DB could be an option there as well. But I really, really just have this feeling that Ryan Pace is going to try to force in a sense, uh, an edge rusher, whether that be Davenport because he fits everything, whether that be a guy like Harold Landry because he has such a high ceiling as well as Davenport, or even a guy like Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds is a weird guy because he's 19 years old. He's, what, 6'4", 6'5", 250 pounds. He's an athletic freak. Instincts lack. Uh, some people project him more as an edge rusher than they do an inside linebacker. Um, so he's one of those project picks that Ryan Pace really seems to like to go after the guy that has the high ceiling and maybe not quite as safe. And I think, man, a guy like Edmonds or even a guy like Davenport, I think make a lot of sense there. But there's just there's so many options. I mean, we could go out this all day, yeah. and I don't think anybody really has an idea of who the Bears are going to pick. But, and I think that's you can see that when you go through and you look at the mock drafts that are out there. I mean, outside of like the first six picks you talked about, and, and a lot of them are the first seven picks, um, 
you don't it's it's a huge disparity when you go from eight to twenty and you you see guys that are picked in the top ten in one mock that don't fall that fall all the way to twenty three in in another mock i mean i thought I just saw denzel ward at twenty three in a in a mock the other day um so you, you know you 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 just don't know and that's why I think that unless your guy's there unless you you think you know if, if Nelson does somehow drop He's your guy. I don't think there's. I think we can all agree that there's no chance the Bears are going to pass on him. But I think there's a very good chance he goes before he, uh, the Bears pick at eight, and then you have to start thinking about it. You know, if you can trade back, because all those names that you just you just gave are legitimate options at number eight. But they're one of those guys is going to be there at at twelve. You know, there's still or thirteen. You know, so if you can move back five spots and regain, say, that third round pick that you lost last year for Trubisky, that's why this makes a whole lot of sense. Because I don't think there's that that uh, bona fide uh, top option there at, at eight unless Nelson is there. So uh, you know, and I think you're right. I, I to me, Edmonds is probably the top. Assuming Nelson is off the board. Um, I think Edmonds is probably their top option because, like you said, he does he is more versatile than than a Roquan Smith, who is just you know your your uh, stud inside linebacker. Where Edmonds can uh, rush off the edge a little bit, they can move him around a little bit more, and he's he has that versatile aspect that, like you pointed out, Pace and uh, obviously Vic Fangio love, uh, and that you know that was something that drew them to Leonard Floyd, and I think Leonard Floyd could still be a very good player uh, because of those traits if he could just stay on the field. So another another guy in that mold wouldn't be such a horrible idea but i'm a huge davenport fan i i i don't know why people think it's gonna be a reach for him i still think he's a raw player and he still had 17 17 and a half tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks last year so uh you know guy coming from uh you know a, a smaller school you know doesn't get the press as some other guys but you know if he he played in one at at Alabama, he'd you know be top four in the country right now. So you know he's six six, two hundred and over two hundred sixty pounds. I think, like you said, he checks off all the boxes. I, I don't know why. I know he's a little raw, but he, he does have a. I've watched some film on him. I mean, the guy can pass rush in a lot of different ways. He's got a lot of power uh, that he can use. Uh, you know, in in his bull rush, and that he can use to set up, swim, and, and cut moves. And uh, you know, I think if they are going to reach and say. You know, they uh, Edmonds goes off the board. Nelson is off the board. They're obviously not going to get it. Take the quarterback. They can't find that trade back. And you feel comfortable with Mukamara and 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 Fuller and and Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos. You know, your young uh, secondary. Then maybe you don't need to reach for one of these guys that you you aren't sold on in say Ward or or uh, Derwin James or, or you know one of the cornerbacks or Josh Jackson. If you don't like one of those guys, and I I think I don't. To me, that Marcus Davenport wouldn't be a reach. That's that's my opinion. Well, and, and it's funny because I mean you're you're not alone. I, I I think the thing with with a guy like Davenport is he reminds me at least at least to me he reminds me a lot of Ziggy Ansah when he's coming out of BYU. He's raw, and I think the biggest the biggest thing for me with Davenport is obviously the the level of competition, which I mean we've seen with some of the the Bears draft picks in the last few years have panned out pretty well. But I think the, the real the real big issue for me, and it's coachable, is pad level. And I think he plays so high at times. And I think he has a limited arsenal of pass rushing moves right now, which isn't a huge deal. And, and this is the thing. is we're, we're talking about a guy 
that has a lot of raw athletic ability, already has a lot, a lot of raw talent and a, a lot in general that is already there. And it's really just honing in on the pad level, honing in on his pass rushing moves to make him into a good fit. And the thing, and I've seen a few people argue this, that they say, well, he's probably a better, better off as a 4-3 defensive end. And if you actually watch what he did last year uh, at San Antonio, it, I mean, he played all over the place and he played, it was, it wasn't a traditional role, but it was, he played a three, four outside linebacker role at times. And I think the big thing with him is, like I said, it's just, it's about being raw, but then that's kind of the issue that you see with a lot of, there's a lot of good defensive talent that's going to be on the board for the bears. And it's kind of picking your poison. Do you want to go with a guy like Davenport? Do you want to go with a guy, I'm more comfortable going with a guy like Davenport than I am going with somebody like Tremaine Edmonds because to me, Edmonds lacks instincts as an inside linebacker. I think he's a physical freak. I think he, a lot of his ability has gotten him by at Virginia Tech, and and that's good. But at the same time, at the NFL level, I think if you're looking for a pure inside linebacker, I think Roquan Smith Smith makes a lot more sense. He's smaller. Uh, has a little bit more issue uh, shedding blocks. You know, you need to keep him clean up front, which, you know, it is what it is, and I think he can learn from that. Reminds me a little bit of Patrick Willis coming out in that regard. But I think in terms of Tremaine Edmonds, that's where you start getting into a huge risk because you're talking about a guy who's never really been an edge rusher. Uh, the majority of his damage as a pass rusher has come from the inside blitzing as, an, as a middle linebacker. And now you're talking about a guy who, okay, he's 19 years old, he's 250 pounds, he's, he's definitely still got some room in the frame to grow. But you're talking about basically taking a guy at the number eight overall pick that has been playing inside linebacker and saying, okay, we're going to move you outside and we're going to make you a pass rusher, and we're, we're going to teach you. And that's kind of the thing. Like, if, if that's the case, if that's really what they're going to do, and that's kind of what my concern is with a guy like Edmonds, I would rather have Davenport, who has already played the position, already knows his role, is a little bit bigger, a little bit longer, uh, maybe not quite as athletic, at least uh, testing numbers-wise, but I think he makes a lot more sense for the Bears. But I think either way, you're going to have a mix of fans that are going to look at this. You know, the the, the educated fan that has, has done a lot of work and, you know, or has, has read scouting reports, whatever it may be, that, that knows about these guys. And you're going to have a mixed opinion regardless of who they go with. Even a guy like Quentin Nelson, because Quentin Nelson is a guard. A lot of people don't value guards in the top ten. I think he's a generational talent that is not hyperbole when I say that. I really do believe that he is one of the better offensive line talents that come out of this draft in quite some time. But I think regardless of where the Bears are at, and this goes every year, but I think especially this year because the talent is grouped so close together, I think regardless of the fact you're going to have a mix of fans that are going to love the pick, a mix of fans that are going to feel okay about it, and then you're going to have some that just hate it and think it's a reach or think it's a bad fit regardless. Well, looking at the, a, a lot of those guys that we're talking about, it's clear that the Bears have interest in them, and I think it's interesting when you take a look at the list of uh, visits that they've had. Uh, they've met with Mika Fitzpatrick twice. They've met, <clears throat> excuse me, with Denzel Ward twice. Um, they have met with Roquan Smith. They have met with Quentin Nelson. Um, th- there is no uh, meeting with Marcus Davenport that I know of, but uh, maybe they know everything that they want. That's uh, that's interesting that a small stool, small stool guy wouldn't get a meeting with them. Uh, but they are. It does appear when you take a look at this list of. Uh, you know, players who have visited with the Bears at, at at one point or another this off season that they are really doing their homework on wide receivers and cornerbacks. And I, I think if they've had a private workout with Denzel Ward, they've had a private workout with Minka Fitz, Fitzpatrick. So I, I definitely think. I mean, you know, Kyle Fuller is no uh, 
long-term guarantee of Prince of Mukamara is really just kind of a, a placeholder at this point in his career. And, uh, you know, if, like we talked about, if Nelson's off the board or maybe they like Roquan Smith and he's not there, then, you know, maybe they do upgrade with uh, Fitzpatrick, who, who brings that type of versatility in the same sense as Edmonds, you know, but just from a different position. He can really play that downhill game, but yet give you a lot in coverage as well. You pair him with Eddie Jackson, they might like that a whole lot. And I do think, like you mentioned, Denzel Ward doesn't have the greatest size, but he has shown to have that lockdown ability. So I, really, I, I think they're probably, it's it's unless it's Nelson, they're probably going to look at the defensive guys, and they've done a whole lot of work there. I will mention, though, and probably and and when I when I mentioned this to Aaron, he didn't like it. The Bears have have met with uh, SMU wide receiver Cortland Sutton three times, and I just saw him mock to the Bears in in a recent uh, uh, mock draft uh, by a guy I respect. So, and they've done a lot of work at wide receiver. So uh, don't rule out. I mean, we talked about the the the, the loss of Cameron Meredith, but it looks like that that Ryan Pace is going to look to the draft, even potentially in the first round. Uh, to to get another uh, pass catching option. Well, just to clarify, I really like Cortland Sutton. I absolutely hate him at eight. That, that's all I'll say about that. I think Cortland Sutton would make a lot of sense. Okay, if you want to trade back to you know fifteen twenty and and take somebody like Sutton, I think that makes that can make a lot more sense. Just at eight, it doesn't. Now, the one thing I will say about meeting you know the meetings, the private workouts, uh, the, you know the, the everything about that. Now. Uh, it's kind of hard to read into those just because you look at what the because I've, I've tracked them the last few years and Ryan Pace outside of Trubisky last year, which you went secret squirrel. There's been a lot of reports that John Fox and he really know about that. And I think Jay Glazer kind of re- confirmed that after Fox was fired. I can't remember. I think that was right about the time of the combine. But outside of that, the Bears have publicly met and it has been put out there that they have met with every single one of you know their their first-round picks. Now everything else after that is kind of a wishy-washy. You can usually find about two or three guys that there's public record of them meeting with that player before they, they take them in the draft overall. Now, I think when you look at it, uh, I think, like you, 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 know, you mentioned, two guys, Tremaine Edmonds isn't on that list, and also Marcus Davenport isn't on that list. Now that could be such a thing as the talent is so closely gr- grouped together and there's what I mean, Indianapolis. So I'd say six, seven, and eight, really, right now, that can all go for the same kind of picks. There's been a lot of talk that San Francisco may like a guy there too, and the same thing as Oakland. So there's there's about five picks right there where Ryan Pace may feel the need to keep quiet on certain guys. And it's also worth mentioning that the Bears did meet with Trubisky last year. They had the private dinner, you know, all that other stuff with them, and it didn't come out until after the draft. So just because there isn't any note of, you know, any report right now of these guys, you know, them meeting with these guys, I don't know if I'd really read too much into it. It's definitely worth, you know, mentioning, and it's definitely interesting. That's why I track it, because I think it's fun. But we could see them take a guy like Davenport, and then the next day, you know, in the in the in the draft write up through Brad Biggs or whoever, you know, whoever's super connected to the team could come out and say, oh yeah, they met with them, you know, at the at the combine or uh, you know met with them here, and then they had you know a private workout with them, and they they even had a dinner with them. So we just don't know. But this is the fun part of the draft, and this is why Ryan Pace, being such a secret squirrel kind of guy. It's kind of fun because we really don't know what's going to go on. But like you mentioned, especially at DB, I think two guys that are very interesting is Mika Fitzpatrick because he can play safety and corner. He said that he would rather play the slot. He can play outside. He can play free safety. 
Uh, I don't really like him at strong safety just because he's not quite as thick. But another guy that I'm kind of wondering if the Bears may have this secret love with is Derwin James out of Florida State. He's somebody that there's been a lot of people who project him that can he can either play corner or safety or even linebacker. And you talk about versatility, and I think that's been kind of the theme of the offseason so far for the Bears. There's been a lot of versatility, especially in the offensive side of the ball. But I think somebody like Derwin James, who I'm not quite as high on. I think he's a physical freak. I think he's really fast. He's you know he does a lot of a lot of nice things. But I also think he's more bark than he is bite, at least on film, especially this year. But he's somebody that I think could make sense for the Bears. You could play him at slot. You can play him, like I said, as, as a linebacker in certain packages. You can play him as a, as a strong safety. Um, you know, even as corner. So I think the versatility, somebody like that, could make sense. And it's worth keeping in mind, when the Bears took Leonard Floyd a few years ago, outside linebacker wasn't really a, a huge need. I mean, they had Willie Young, they had Lamar Houston, and they had Pernell McPhee. So you're talking about three guys, and you know, the, a lot of people are kind of like, why are they taking an outside linebacker? So I guess what I'm saying here is keep your mind open uh, defensively, especially when you look at uh, whether it be inside linebacker, I think they could use an upgrade there. Outside linebacker, they obviously could. But I think even defensive back, I'm not going to say corner or safety, but I think defensive back as a whole, they could find somebody that they really like with the size, the length threshold, you know, the length thresholds, all that other stuff that fits. I wouldn't be surprised if they take one at eight. I don't think it'll happen, but I wouldn't be surprised by it. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised by it at all. And I, I think that's what's going to make this draft. I think in the last few drafts, we've had a fairly good idea where the Bears are going to go. Although... Uh, Leonard Floyd kind of uh, was a little bit of a curveball, but um, you know there was a, there, there was some good feel about you know the 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 two or three options. I think there's more than two or three options here for the Bears, and you know, like you said, I, pretty much every position on defense could use an upgrade. So you can't rule any of them out. Uh, Bears have a lot of good young players, but a lot of players who aren't established yet. They think highly of Eddie Jackson. They think highly of Nick Kwiatkowski. Uh, they think Leonard Floyd can be that guy, but um, those guys haven't done it yet. And, and you know, if they don't do it, you know, where are you going to be at? So, I, you know, I do think that you're right. I think all those guys are on the table, and I think that it's it's really going to come down to what happens before them. And I, I really think if the Bears are in a position where, like you said, if Josh Rose is, is sitting there, you got to get on the phone and get one of those teams to to trade back and get you that extra pick and still be able to pick up a guy like Fitzpatrick or or you know James or Ward, like you mentioned. I, I think you still can get that good talent in the early, uh, you know, twelve to fifteen range. So I think that's uh, <clears throat> going to cover it for the first round. Before we get out of here, though, let's talk about this schedule uh, that just came out this week. Uh, Bears once again not uh, not not getting the uh, uh, easy part of the slate early on. So the Bears are going to open at Green Bay at Lambeau Field. Come home for a Monday night tilt against. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, and then they're going to go at the Cardinals, and those are three tough games again. You know, and then they get the Bucks at home, and the Bucks, you know, pummeled them last season. Uh, are we in another situation like we were last year, where like if if they come out one and three, it's it's probably not going to look good for the rest of the season. You know, I, I don't think so, and and here's why. I think obviously Green Bay is going to be a tough game. I love that matchup week one, especially for somebody such as myself, because then I can do all the preparations and, you know, do whatever on Sunday Night Football, you know, and it'll be cool. But I think when you you look at these last three games, I think Tampa Bay is always one of those wild cards in week four. But I think Seattle is a team that is not as good. I mean, they've they've traded away players. They've cut players. 
they're not the same team. I think things are really starting to kind of uh, the the changing of guard there. I think you got the Rams, and I think the 49ers are upcoming as well. And I don't think Seattle is going to be nearly as good. They're well coached. They still got Russell Wilson, but they also have historically the last few years have not started off uh, very good. And I think the other teams, Arizona, right now. I mean, I think a lot of people have to realize that the the coaching situation's new over there. Bruce Arians isn't there anymore. And Carson Palmer's gone. So I think really when you're looking at their their situation at quarterback right now and, and what they have overall, I think there's a lot of question marks there. And I and I think that Arizona's one of those teams who I, I think they'll still be okay. I think, you know, seven, eight wins could be possible. But I don't think this is nearly the gauntlet that it was last year for the Bears when they started off with Atlanta. Um then they went on and, you know, and, and just so on and so forth. I mean, all the way down the schedule. I, I think this is it's tougher than I mean, it's not ideal by any means, but I do think that this the overall schedule is better. And I think that the the way that this is laid out, I think, is, is also going to help them as well. The only thing that I really don't like, and I know a few people do like it, is the buy in week five. Not a big fan of that. Maybe with new coaching staff, um, you know, new offense, especially with the second year quarterback. Maybe that's going to be a good thing. They can regroup moving in. Um, and then the other thing that I really like is the fact that the Bears are going to be playing on Thanksgiving. I know that's not good for you because you're probably going to have – is that game – no, it's it's at Detroit, so you probably won't have to be there for that. So maybe that's not yeah, as bad. Yeah, but... I've got to work either way. Don't even, don't even bring that up. No, I'm joking. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 I used to love it when I, when I was a Bears fan and, and the Bears played on Thanksgiving. That was always a lot of fun. And, I, I mean, I'll have fun covering it as well. But uh, the Bears do play the AFC East this year, which outside of the Patriots isn't all that bad. Jets, Bills, and Dolphins, none of those teams are all that scary uh lions going through some changes right now they get the giants uh 49ers you know rams and packers and and vikings those are all going to be tough outings but if they come out of that by doing okay you know there's an opportunity for them some to, to win a few ball games here in the second half of the season i don't i don't think it's anywhere near as difficult to, as it was last year and again if they really want to compete and 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 make a run at the playoffs they're going to have to win those divisional games starting in week one at green bay it's going to be a tough challenge but man if they pull that off you never know how know how the season's going to go that's it guys for this pre-draft podcast uh we will be having another podcast right after uh, the draft to talk about all the Bears draft picks and all the movement and all the players that the new that they will have after that we're going to move right into rookie minicamp I'll have front row seats for that so I'll be able to tell you how these new guys look really looking forward to it thanks a lot for hanging out with us for the last 45 minutes please give Aaron a follow on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL you can also follow me at Bear Report check out all our work at bearreport.com as well as the Bear Report Facebook page come talk to us every day at the bearreport.com message boards And be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. That's it, guys. Have a great draft, and we'll talk to you later this week. Peace.